Have you ever wondered what Jesus was like as a boy and a young man? The gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John actually don't offer us many details. They tell us of his family's escape to Egypt and then their return to Nazareth. They speak of his increasing wisdom and his visit to the temple in Jerusalem at the young age of 12. But actually one of my personal most favorite stories of the very early life of Jesus comes from before he was born. Because we are told that, uh, that, because it foretells the friendship between Jesus, who would come to be known as the Christ, and his cousin John, who would come to be known as the Baptist. The mothers of these boys are said to have had miraculous pregnancies. Elizabeth, because she was pregnant at such an old age and for the first time. Mary, because she was pregnant without a husband. Both women, we are told, knew they were carrying a special child. Both child, children called to bring spiritual leadership and healing to the people. So the moms both knew something unique was up. When Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, Luke tells us when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John, leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I imagine also, maybe that little baby Jesus leaped in Mary's womb. Even before they were born, these two little cousin babies, like their moms, knew that something unique, holy, and demanding lay before them. Jesus and John grew up in an atmosphere permeated with the teachings and the words of what we now call the Hebrew Bible. They both likely attended a Jewish school by age six, since these were common even in remote areas. John's father, Zechariah, was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, one of the 24 orders of priests who were responsible for offering the daily and holiday rituals at the Jewish temple and administering also the priestly blessing to the people. So we can assume that John and Jesus had many encounters with temple practices and the teachings of the priestly orders. They may well have been observers of teachings and behaviors their young minds judged to be hypocritical. It seems likely these two young cousins had self-understanding or at least expectation that they were themselves to become religious leaders. But what kind of religious leaders? Adolescence and young adulthood is the natural time for us as human beings to be individuating our personal morals, ethics, and perspectives about the world and community. For the over 20s members, as in age 20, members that are here today, I suspect we can all think back to times when we were young and we and our friends would strongly debate and critique the world around us 
the way our, our, our parents were behaving, how the politicians were behaving, what we saw as the problems with what was being taught in our churches. We were gathering to be like young people should be, debating and dreaming and imagining a better world, a better place. And I hope that the young people in our congregation who are at the baccalaureate and university stage are having those same kinds of engaging conversations, challenging, thinking, critiquing, dreaming of a better world. Well, I suspect this was the same for John and Jesus, those cousins from the womb. Can you imagine these two serious, faithful, faith-filled, idealistic adolescents seated by a fire outside one of their homes, having long conversations, arguing about the teachings and the practices they had observed in the temple, and dreaming how a truly faithful religious life should be lived. We know that Jesus had been thinking about these things since he was still a boy, for Luke tells us, Jesus, tells us of Jesus being in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and asking them questions. He did not follow the footsteps of his father into a life only as a carpenter. So, so he was pursuing a new step and not simply following the path laid out by the generation before him. John the Baptist did not follow his father Zechariah into the priesthood of Abisha choosing instead to join, or at least to follow the teachings of the Essene movement. The Essenes were a branch of, or a sect of ancient Judaism that strove for holiness through a demanding ascetic lifestyle. They practiced celibacy, lived apart in small communities in the desert, which was also often called the wilderness in the Bible, and they challenged the Sadducees and Pharisees about their teachings, practices, and control of the temple. The expectation of the imminent messianic and priestly kingdom was a pillar of Essene beliefs, and so John was well steeped in those beliefs. And one can suspect that he shared many of those ideas with Jesus in those conversations around the fire. Rituals of purification were important in both the Essene tradition and the traditional Jewish community. Our gospel reading from Matthew this morning shows that Jesus sought out his cousin John, the Essene, to lead him in a ritual of purification. And I'm emphasizing the term purification here rather than baptism because I think there's a fundamental difference that emerged at that Jordan River, the day that Jesus went into the waters seeking purification, but emerging from the waters baptized. Seeking purification is an effort to wash away our sins, our faults, our failings, in order to become more worthy to the Holy One, so it makes sense that one might seek purification repeatedly, especially in the context of the temple culture of the time of Jesus and John. 
Perhaps Jesus was seeking purification when he asked John to submerge him in the waters of the Jordan River. But something fundamental changed in that encounter. For when Jesus reemerged from those waters, as Matthew tells us, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And he heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This was not a message of purification. This was a message of transformation. Jesus was embraced by the creator in his full humanity and told that he was loved and complete, told that he was one with the creator. Jesus did not have to prove his worthiness. He was simply called to be the child of God. This is the baptism that we, the children of God and the followers of Jesus, are offered. What was your baptism like? Were you baptized as an infant and have no direct memory of the experience? What have your parents told you about why you were baptized and how you were baptized? How did that story take on meaning as you have been growing up and continue to grow? Or like my father and me, were you baptized as an adolescent and an adult? Why did you decide to get baptized? What did it feel like? When you remember your baptism, can you hear that voice saying, this is my child, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. I invite you to reflect on your own baptism experience uh, as I share with you now a poem written by Pastor Sharon Benton called Waters of Love. Life begins in the waters of creation, the void, the deep, and the spirit of God swept over the face of the waters first creating one-celled, then multiple-celled, and eventually the endless numbers of intricately involved or evolved organisms that populate the earth today. And God called it good, beloved. Life begins in the waters of creation, the womb. We've all been there floating in the watery sack of amniotic fluid, we each grew from two cells to multiple organs to the wondrously complicated being that sits in the pew next to your neighbor, you. And God called you good, beloved. 
Life begins in the waters of creation, the Jordan River, the place where Jesus stepped out of the waves and into his mission and ministry, growing from one word of love to multiple acts of justice into an infinite call for each person to follow into new life. And God called the baptism good and God's chi child beloved. The deep, the womb, the Jordan. New life begins in the waters of creation and the new life is good, beloved. Amen.